AMA 50 KFUO Worldwide at KFUO.org. This is the Midday Moments program. It's time now for our moment on the lighter side. Just a week ago, we celebrated one of the important events of the church history, the Reformation. These last few weeks, we've been talking with Mr. Reformation himself, Martin Luther. Today, we are welcoming back Dr. Luther for one last reflection. And let me say, it's been very, a very enjoyable time for me, Gary. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. Over the last few weeks, you've talked about the Lutheran difference. You said that Lutheranism is a good-for-nothing church. Well, no, no, actually, <laughs> no, no. That was my wife Katie's phrase. But it does illustrate what is unique about Lutherans. We do believe in doing good, but we don't believe we need to do good to gain God's love. We love as God first loved us. Right. You said for Lutherans, the key teaching is that we are saved solely by the grace and mercy of Jesus without any merit or worthiness in us. Salvation is ours entirely apart from anything we do. But you also said the key difference changes some of the other things Lutherans do. For example, you said it makes a difference in the way Lutherans pray and sing. Uh, precisely. Although, uh, please understand, I don't think this is necessarily a, a denominational difference. I, I think there are Lutherans who, who also often get prayer wrong and, and other Christians get it right. It's not so much what your denomination is, but rather, are you sticking with the clear teaching of the Word of God? So what difference is there in the way Christians pray? Well, it certainly seems that for some Christians, prayer is a work they perform. Uh, it, it therefore becomes contingent that they do their prayers as well as possible. Uh, the words they speak must be perfect. Uh, the frequency of prayer becomes crucial. It is essential that they deliver them with the proper sincerity of heart. Only then can they be sure God will answer. I can think of the perfect scriptural example of what you're talking about. The Pharisee who stood at the temple and prayed, Thank God I'm not like other men. He obviously thought that prayer was his work. He talked like God owed him something for that work. Uh, that is an extreme example, but we all fall into the same error when we think of prayer as a work we need to perform in order to get God's attention. But if prayer is not our work, what is it then? Well, I, it is simply the, the cry of faith. What do you mean, Luther? Well, throughout your life, Mr. Duncan, uh, there have been people you have turned to for help. Uh, as a child, it was probably your mother or your father. As you grew older, it may have been a sibling or a, or a close friend. For those like you and me who enjoyed the blessings of matrimony, we often turn to our spouse in time of need. So what does this have to do with prayer? Well, when you called to these people for aid, did you think of that as a work you were performing? Of course not. I knew these people loved me. They had helped me in the past, and it seemed natural to turn to them when I was in need. And so it is with Christian prayer. A prayer is not something we do to impress God so that he will come to our rescue. Uh, just the opposite. Because of Jesus Christ, we know God wants to rescue us. Because of Jesus, we know the almighty ruler of the universe is our dear father, and we are his dear children. Prayer is not a work, but the natural response of believing our sins are forgiven. It is, as I said, the cry of faith. I can see that there is an obvious difference in prayer. For some people, prayer is a work they do to manipulate God. For Christians, prayer is a child crying out to his father, which is why I suppose the best prayer is simply, thy will be done. 
But you also said there's a difference in the way Christians sing, other than being in tune or out of tune. What difference is there in the way people sing? Well, now, now I admit this is very tricky business, but I think it goes back to the principle we expounded the last few weeks. We must decrease, and he must increase. What does that have to do with singing? Well, it seems like, in much of contemporary hymnody, the focus is on us. Uh, The soloist stands front and center in the church, belting out the lyrics with all the bravo of any pop diva. When they're done, we are, are so moved, we rise with applause. The worship leader assures us we are applauding God, but I don't know if... It sure feels like we're applauding the singer, just as we would any secular performer. The lyrics themselves are filled with the personal pronouns, I, me, my. It's all about my praise, how I love my Savior. The whole business seems designed to evoke an inspirational feeling in the audience, like what they do at the end of the country music shows in Branson, where the last number is always one that gets you to rise to your feet, saluting the flag and blessing God. Are you suggesting that there's something wrong with people getting emotional at church? Oh, oh yes, that's the accusation that's often made of us Lutherans. We're all stoic Germans, you know, never showing the least bit of emotion. And, uh, well, perhaps we are somewhat repressed, not even showing uh, so much as a smile when we receive the body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. But no, no, the issue is really not about emotion. There is nothing wrong with having feelings. After all, uh, Gary, what husband who has lost his wife would not shed a tear at the last verse of a mighty fortress? And take thy our life, goods, fame, child, and wife. Let these all be gone. They yet have nothing won. The kingdom ours remaineth. Those are emotionally laden words, aren't they? No. So it's not the emotions that bother me. I'm not sure it's even the difference between contemporary and traditional worship that lies at the heart of the problem. For I've gone to traditional services that end up doing the same thing. Uh, The focus seems to be all on us and what we're doing. Uh, The liturgy becomes a complicated affair requiring very precise and regulated actions on the part of the worship leader. Uh, The organist does a virtuoso performance of a demanding classical piece. The choir sings with musical precision. And the pastor delivers an eloquent and rousing sermon. Wait a minute, Luther. Are you suggesting it would be better if our worship was sloppy and our choir sang off key? <laughs> good, good point, Mr. Duncan. As I said, this is tricky business. No, I'm not suggesting any such thing. But I do think we need to ask ourselves, what is the center of what we are doing in a church service? What do you mean by that? Well, for many services, both traditional and contemporary, it seems the whole point is that people leave saying, my, wasn't that a wonderful church service? The idea is to give people an hour of inspiration and good feeling. But if that is the center of what we're doing, that is very tragic. Tragic? That's a very strong word, Luther. Why would it be tragic? Because in the church Jesus gave us, people are not coming to be inspired. They are coming because they are burdened burdened by trouble at work, conflict in the family, illnesses in their bodies, and more, burdened with sin, with the knowledge that they have contributed to these problems and they are not handling them well at all. What they need is not some flash in the pan emotionalism, one hour of bliss, 
What they need is the rock-solid foundation we've talked about these last few weeks. I think I know what you mean. They need the basic scriptural teaching that Jesus loves and forgives them. And that is true, regardless of what they've done or how they feel. Whatever else we do in church, uh, the meticulously recreated ancient liturgy, or the upbeat praise band, uh, the crucial thing is that people hear the gospel, that they hear a sermon that teaches we are saved by Jesus alone, that they are reminded of their baptism where God washed away their sins and made them his dear children, that they hear the plain words of scripture, that the Lord's Supper is Jesus' body given and blood shed for them, for the forgiveness of sins. I think there's a hymn that says exactly what you're talking about, Luther. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And that is the difference for us Lutherans when it comes to singing. I don't suppose there's anything wrong with showing our emotions when we sing, or even a song or two that speaks of our praise to God. But for Lutherans, hymnody is first and foremost a giving of the gospel, a clear presentation of what Jesus Christ has done for us, that he suffered, died, buried, and rose again for the forgiveness of our sins. Luther, again, I appreciate your thoughts, and I've enjoyed our time together. There's just one last question. I've always wanted to ask you, but never got the chance. And what is that, Mr. Duncan? What do you do on Reformation Day to celebrate? Oh, oh well, I go out trick-and-treating. <laughs> trick-or-treating? <laughs> well, sure. You know, no one has church that night. Everyone has their Reformation service the Sunday before. So why not go trick-or-treating? I don't even have to wear a costume. I, I just go out in my monk's outfit. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for sharing. Again, as always, uh, you're welcomed here at KFUO. Have a great day. Yeah, have a great day as well, Gary. We are the messenger of good news worldwide at KFUO.org.